It's time for the Drive Stop 4 at 4. Hour number two of the drive underway here on Fan Run Radio. It starts at the top four at four. Tucker, what do you got? Thank you, Russell. At number one, Tennessee baseball continues its season with a midweek contest against East Tennessee State here in just under 30 minutes. The game will air on SEC Network Plus, and Andy Brock will have the call for you. A couple lineup notes. Matthew Dallas, the freshman, no relation to Chad Dallas, getting the start for Tennessee. Christian Moore will bat leadoff today, and Houston, you'll like this. Dean Curley will get his first start of the season at shortstop. Ah, yes, old Curley. Steps Got up to the plate. Hamstrings right as rain. He's going to give it a go out there today. <laughs> oh, cool, Papa Curley. Take the slider off the corner of the plate. Sorry, what did you say? Shortstop? Shortstop. Up, up there at short. Yep, there's Curley at short. Blake Burke hitting second today. Amick Peebles in the cleanup spot. Big Kavaris Tears who went deep again yesterday. In the five-hole, Villeneuve, your DH. We had a really hard time with his name yesterday. Curly, Dryling, and Inslee rounding it out. I Dry- like Inslee in the nine-hole. Dryling goes from two to eight in a day. Well, Hunter Inslee just went from one to nine. I know, it's just weird. Why, why did he go all the way down to eight? Did he, they, they are – Tony is making moves in the lineup. All just, I think he's just experimenting, you know. He's just no, that's what I think it is too. And you have to at this point in the season. Yeah. At number, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> at number two, Tennessee has announced the sellout against Texas A&M Saturday, and it will be a Checker Thompson Bowling Arena game. Food City and its continuing commitment to Tennessee Athletics as a 27-year partner is teaming with. Are you reading me a press release right now, Harlan? What's happening? You you will get orange and white T-shirts depending on the section you're in. We'll just put it that way. Oh, for the whole arena? Yeah, they can do it for the arena. It's cost. I don't know, man. Twenty thousand shirts is twenty thousand shirts. That's not cheap. Yeah, they did the uh, the glow sticks last weekend. That was cool. That was cool. Yeah, that oh, looked those good. Long, those things that the people you can bang them together and all that. Yeah, when in the pregame when the lights went down, it looks good. It did. Where are we at? It was that Arizona game where those those crazy people out oh, there. Oh yeah, the ones that make the weird noise. When, yeah. Yeah. What do they got? Thunderstick's. Yeah, or something. Whatever yeah. they call them. Just boing, like, boing, boing. Yeah. Well, I I I like. Anytime the fans get a free T-shirt, I mean that's going to be, you know, millionaires and paupers fighting each other for those babies but hopefully it looks good on tv it always does checker kneeling checker tba always looks good at number three creighton went into its game against uconn last night having lost all six of its meetings with number one ranked teams and never coming closer than 10 points number 15 blue jays broke through on their seventh try building a double digit lead in the first half and knocking off the huskies 85 66 tuesday night UConn, of course, ranked unanimously as the number one team in the country. Well, I got a nug for you. Hold on. Find it. I, I wonder if it's the one I was going to mention, but I don't remember it verbatim, so you may have it. It was UConn's 19th straight road loss to a ranked team. Oh, Insane. yeah, I saw that earlier. Going Dating back to what? It's like 2014. 
when it was in the A, the American Athletic Conference. Yeah. How many national championships has they won since then? Though? Two, I think. Well, they I think they won in 2014. Yeah, with Shabazz. That that was the that was the Shabazz year. The Shabazz. That, that was the weird year that you know everybody cites the 2020 club, the Kim Pomp thing. That that was the team. They were like 25th in offense and like 44th mm. in defense. Just got hot at the right time. And Jim Calhoun, looking back on it, could coach a little ball. Was that the that Kevin Ollie. Ollie team? That was Kevin Ollie. Okay, well, uh, how yeah. many national championships? Freaking UConn have since. Then what? When did they? I think they got five since two thousand. How many did they get in the nineties? I don't think any. I think their first was in two thousand. They're like the blue blood that nobody talks about being a blue blood because they just randomly. I mean, men's appear. and women's—they're probably the most elite basketball school in the country. If you're being honest. Well, obviously, Danny Hurley can coach some ball, and Jim Calhoun could. I think the Kevin Ollie thing is just luck. Which, as a Tennessee fan, you're sitting there like, hey. When's our turn? <laughs> why not us? Why can't we get lucky like that? Because they were not good after that national championship. We've had some dumbass coaches who couldn't coach their way out of a paper bag. They can't get past the round of two, or the second round. And finally, at number four, Antonio Pierce said his Raiders will be channeling the bad boy Detroit Pistons when they play Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs as long as he is the Las Vegas head coach. And the week before the Raiders' Christmas Day game, Pierce, then the interim coach, expressed to his team that they needed to hate the color red and showed them videos of famous boxing and MMA fights and how the NBA's Detroit Pistons approached playing Hall of Famer Michael Jordan in the late 1980s, referring to it as Mahomes rules. Yeah, like Mahomes rules? rules? Okay. Yes. It's a what, terrible idea. Yeah, but what's weird about it is uh, this has come up before in, like, I read an interview with Patrick Mahomes, and he was like, I I, I really don't get it, I, I guess. Well, uh, the Pistons were successful yeah. against Michael Jordan. I, and the Raiders, they did house them. Did they beat them this year in the regular season? Once. That Christmas Day game? It's like, okay, you, you beat them in a regular season game, but he still, they still he's got, got three rings. I just don't know that I'd talk about this publicly if I'm him, that's all. And, and apparently Max Crosby really goes out of his way to – go after well that's a good point even if you did have sure. some secret formula to success against the chiefs why talk about that yeah, publicly you don't you just it's like hypel talking about his offense he doesn't do it well it, it, now the next game the officials are going to be paying extra attention so a, a, a hit that's close they're going to flag it because they know that's what the other team that wants was to dumb. do it's, it's, antonio it's a, pierce what are you doing you not big dummy? smart not smart I mean, talking about the face of the NFL. I mean, it's yeah, Mahomes. The golden boy. So glad the Titans did not hire him. Does he even make it through next year? Let's be honest. Guy's never been a coordinator. Maybe. Interim coach. Caught the wave for a little while. I feel like at best you're Coaching for at, a madman over there in Mark Davis. What, two years at most I'll give him? Oh, yeah. No way he makes it through the 2025 season. Yeah. If he makes it through the 2025 season. Raiders are a disaster of an organization. You like right. Ironhide a lot better. Of Callahan? Yeah. I, I don't – I mean, I like it better. I think it's safer. Mm. I think he's more – I don't know. Both of them are blank slates. Well, the thing is, if you were going from Vrabel to Pierce, you'd just be going from meathead to meathead. Mm-hmm. Not that way with Callahan. 
Thank you, Tucker. That is the top four at four as we hit the reset button for those of you just joining us this afternoon. Talking a little Tennessee basketball there in hour number one as the Vols avoid disaster last night at Missouri. Tony Vitello and the baseball team takes care of business against UNC Asheville. Wasn't pretty, but they won't remember that in June. We'll just remember it was a dub. We did shut them down in the 8th and the ninth. Yeah, Little Hunley got in there and got the job done. I wonder if he figures into the third starter equation at some point. By the way, I heard Nunley in the first hour. A lot of people got a lot of feedback. I mean, what are we doing here, boys? I don't know. Have we checked the tape? I just don't know if we should bring it back up until someone checked the tape. <laughs> well, Brian Check Hunsucker the- uh, chimed in on Twitter, and he's the what? What you dub him? I did. Well, it's not. This is so dumb. It, it's not what you when you say, you say it, it fast. Yeah, it's, it, you've got an N at the Brian Unley. Major programming announcement coming up manana here on the show. 3 p.m., something that uh, a lot of people have been working hard on here behind the scenes at Fan Run Radio. We were very excited. Tell a friend you'll want to be listening off the top unless they break the news that stupid NCAA case tomorrow, which I guess we'd probably have to lead with that. You brought that up today. You know it's going to happen. I know. It made me think. I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course that'll be tomorrow when we have big news to – to break and share with the listener that will happen and it will dominate our three hours of programming here tennessee officially today announcing the hiring of william inge he is named co-defensive coordinator and linebacker i'm sorry no he was co-defensive coordinator linebackers coach at washington over two decades of collegiate experience He's been tabbed as Tennessee's new linebackers coach, according to Josh Heupel on Wednesday. His hypeness saying, William is, quote, one of the most experienced and knowledgeable linebackers coaches in the country. He has a proven resume of success and understands what it takes to compete for championships on the defensive side of the ball. William is also a great family man, and I know our players and coaches will enjoy working with him. We are excited to welcome his family to Rocky Top. Inge served as either defensive coordinator or co-DC for 10 seasons, including tenures at Washington for two seasons, Fresno for two seasons before that, Indiana, Buffalo, and Northern Iowa. He was a three-year starter at Iowa. 2024 season will be his 27th in coaching. Distinguished coaching accomplishments include 12 postseason bowl appearances and six conference or divisional championships it's got a pretty solid resume Mm -hmm. very solid and he had been with DeBoer I guess going back to their time at Indiana maybe why would he not want to go to Alabama well he was there for what two weeks a week or two they're kind of Alabama's kind of acting like they're kind of spinning it like he he hadn't actually been their linebacker coach because they, they hired somebody with a background from yeah. Georgia, and it, Florida. And it was, what, like 18 hours later? I mean, they, they turned around and made their actual hire very, very quickly Like once we got Just in. since Saban stepped down, there have been like several things. Like, what did you call it earlier? I think it was before the show. They were frolicking on 
I think that prancing, was a, I believe, prancing is the word and frolicking. I, yes. uh, Which I mean, you got to be able to do that on the football field. You got to be able to move gracefully. But there's just been some very un-Alabama-like thing, things that you would never expect from like a coach leaving Alabama. You know, oh, a lot of red flags. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was looking for. There's a lot of red flags. flags coming out of the early Kalen DeBoer era in Tuscaloosa. And I've seen like three, and I mean, it's like, it's people I respect. I'm like, one of them's like, I think SEC Mike, uh, you know, Cody's, but you know, just going to talk sports all the time. Starting to see some of those early, like, record predictions for next fall. And I, I was stunned. Like, I saw like two or three of those at Alabama at eight and four. Yeah, I saw that too. Tennessee at ten and two, Bama eight and four. Yeah. Well, we we have a a friend, a well connected friend of ours, who was telling us off the record that this is they are really struggling in the NIL stuff, like the Saban discount talk and how their NIL program wasn't up to snuff. Like, there's a lot to that. And time will tell. Who who knows? I have a hard time seeing Alabama have a huge drop off in recruiting, but can you imagine the meltdown and freakout by those people if they end up signing in DeBoer's first year, like the 18th highest rated signing class in college football after after finishing eight and four? Have they? Well, <laughs> after that, and after not having finished lower than second. In the recruiting third, rankings yeah. for 15 years, whatever it's been? <laughs> I just – I don't think that – they won't – that fan base, they will immediately – now, whether or not it'll be successful, you know, they fumbled around before they landed on Sabin. and they yeah. couldn't stop screwing up. It does add up, though. I mean, you you think about all that Saban meant, and now they get a brand-new staff. Because nobody under Saban, when they're getting those top two classes – number one classes and winning championships is going to say, yeah, I know we signed the number one class, but boy, our NIL is just not very good. But a new staff comes in and they're asking questions. Hey, what's the collective like? Hey, what? how do we deal with getting our, our big board to the, the moneymaker guys, the decision makers when it comes to collective? And they're like, we don't have that. Well, I mean, how much do you think, <clears throat> how to word this? Okay, we talk about the Saban discount. Like, how much do you think their cost has gone up? Like, do you think it, it's like doubled now. Like, how big a discount was he? Like, I wondered that they were what kind of break they were getting because he was Nick Saban. I say I say it depends on the player. But what Bryce Young was getting a million, right? Wasn't that the number that got tossed around? Oh, it was definitely seven figures, is what Saban was saying. And now, but that was after he got to campus and he'd been doing door. Right. So deliveries. yeah, it's it's a little bit different, but. I mean, Quinn Ewers went to Ohio State for a year and made like $3 million. So there's triple. So were they getting a one-third? Were they paying one-third the going rate because they had Nick Saban? I mean, it's not that crazy when you look at the track record of winning championships, developing players, and putting guys in the NFL. Uh, Bingo. That's it. And the hits just keep coming for Alabama as it is announced today that Eli Gold will not be returning this year as the voice of the Crimson Tide. Long-time play-by-play man for Alabama football, dating back to the 1990s. So another change they will have to deal with. And pretty interesting, Jonathan Hardison, who is an anchor reporter for Fox WBRC in Birmingham, 
reporting on Twitter that the decision for Gold not to return as the voice of the Crimson Tide was not his choice. And they have a quote saying, I will not be returning. The university chose to not bring me back. I have not retired. Yeah, but I've seen uh, Ryan Brown quote tweeted that, um, said, you know, hate that it ended this way for Eli's health issues. I, I think what the deal was, he only wanted to do home games. Ah, and that's basically what Ryan Brown was reporting. His health issues are unfortunate, but kind of hard to do football with a home crew and a road crew. Well, Georgia did it for the last couple of years of what was that old codger's name they had? Munson. Larry, Larry Munson. Munson. Yeah. <sighs> what a real Munson. Great Southern football voice. Though. It was. Oh my God! They're just so much bigger than us on both sides of the line. Oh, we, we were throwing a pass here, and we caught it. Broke their nose. We crushed their face. Hate that. Guy. I mean, he's but on. I love uh, that guy. He's on the Mount Rushmore with Ward. No, yeah, of of SEC Southern football. Like it's those two. I mean, Lindsey Nelson, Golding might be up there. He's called some. I mean, I know it's Alabama, and they've kicked our tail for a long time and won a lot of national championships. But he called a lot of big games. Didn't he get in trouble for? Uh, I have to look that up before I. I'm, I'm not going to say anything yet. Okay. I think he may have sent a DM. <laughs> oh, boy. Did Russell conflate Gary Coleman from different strokes with whoever played Webster at the end of hour number one? No, you used it appropriately, I think. I actually think I did not. I think uh, a lot of people make that mistake. Is it racist? I'll let you decide. I'm, I don't remember ever watching either show, but I remember them being big deals in the 1980s. I watched... Uh, Gary Coleman was what you talking about, Willis. Yeah, what you yes. talking about. Wait, Webster's an old show? Webster was that show... Uh, he was a little kid that... Uh, um, God, what was that show? It was it, called Webster. Mm-hmm. His dad on the show was Alex Karras. It was an unbelievable player for the Detroit Lions back in the old days. Wasn't Alex Karras was the guy from Raising Arizona, right? The football guy. Was Alex Karras in Raising Arizona? I might be throwing. I mean, we just covered. Sure Alex, the drive is covering itself in oh, glory right now. Right, we're firing all cylinders. <laughs> One of our finer days. Fountains of misinformation. Alex Karras was in. Was he not? Didn't he play Mongo in Blazing Saddles? That's what. That's what it was. Mongo. <laughs> Mongo just pawn in Game of Life. Yeah. He caught a lot of heat for that role, man. Why? Oh, for punching the horse? The the punching the horse, and then he caught a lot of heat from, like, handicapped, gr- handicapped people groups. I don't know. What do you, what, the, the, what, what's even, the proper? I believe the term is differently abled bear, you big jerk. Are you serious? So, the, uh, you know, I'm racist and Bear is nah. whatever it is against handicapped, I think is what we've <laughs> I, I learned up. this segment. I, I, All right, whatever, man. You've done enough damage, I think. I think you've done enough here. I, was, I think you've said enough. I successful longtime Special Olympics coach. They were trying to cancel Blazing Saddles. I mean, that might be the, the genesis of it. There will never be another Blazing Saddles or Tropic Thunder. 
I saw some video, some reaction video last night. It's some woke guy where he always goes back and watches old movies and has his reaction to it. It's kind of funny, but it, and then he's just like roasting blazing saddles. And then somebody went over the top with him and was like, Hey, Richard Pryor wrote almost all these jokes along with. Did he really? Mel Brooks. Yeah, Mel Brooks. He, Richard Pryor was supposed to play the sheriff, but he had done something. I can't remember. Something very Richard Pryor. Like, <laughs> Set himself on fire? Yeah, no, it was before that, but it was when he was, you know. On the booger sugar? Yeah, exactly. So they couldn't cast him. Uh, him and Mel Brooks decided that they it wouldn't be a good idea to cast <sighs> him in the lead role, uh. which led to. Cleavon Little. Who is a comedic genius and was. I couldn't imagine anybody else other than him doing that. I could, I could see Richard Pryor I doing could it. Too. Yeah. Now that you say that, I, that's I, I never knew that. That's he pretty wrote wild. Richard Pryor, Mel Brooks. That was um, what a lot of people don't realize is bad as, and like they say, like some of the most god awful stuff jokes that get uttered in that movie are straight out of Richard <sighs> Pryor's brain. That ain't Mel Brooks. The whole scene at the beginning where he's the sheriff's coming in town. Webster was Emmanuel Lewis. Yeah, he's a little kid that Michael Jackson used to take to all his award shows with the monkey. <laughs> all right. Probably a good time to go ahead and take a quick time out right here. Reset. Some phone calls going on the other side of the break. Bubbles, I believe, was the Yeah, it was Bubbles name. and Webster. Quick time out. The drive continues. More fan run radio after this. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Dennis Gates really does look like Webster, though. You think he's going to make it up there? Webster. Which one of those guys was the one that had, like, the pituitary disorder? That was Webster. Gary Coleman had... uh, They both had it? No, Gary Coleman had lifelong, like, he was born with, um, like, a congenital kidney defect. That's why he was so small. Yeah, he never grew. Was it was Webster? Webster's just a child. He's a regular adult now. No, huh. he had a thing too. I think so. I, I don't know. I don't. I really, honest to God, I couldn't tell you what it, what ended up happening. I don't know if he's dead or alive. He's fifty two. It, it may be the the Mandala effect. <laughs> I'll give you it. That's fine. That's pretty good. You can have it. It's pretty good. Phil is next on the drive. Good afternoon, Phil. Where's that? What's up, Philly? You and the boys done. Doing well, thank you. So Eli Go was uh, calling it quits. No, he says he is not retired. He's been forced out. He's been forced out. It sounds like he's got some health problems. He didn't want to go on the road to ro- do road games. He just wanted to do the home games. Roll down tide. Well, was John Ward forced out to here at Tennessee also? No, but I don't think that. John or he may did he in basketball ever? John never said I'm not going out on the road. I understand why Alabama would want consistency in their call and sure, yeah, not multiple crews and yeah, yeah. He don't do he don't do basketball. I know that they got a different guy that does basketball. I, I, I'll say I don't want to pick on Eli Gold. I mean he's no Larry Munson, right? Munson had. 
I'm glad that you happen to be the guy at Alabama, and he's good at his job. Like he's technically very sound play-by-play guy, but part of his legend is first of all, you're at Alabama, mm-hmm. and then you happen to be there during the Saban era. It's right, like you right. didn't win those championships, so you just got to call call that Bama games during the Golden Era. Well, hold down tied. Is Nick Hooper not at Florida no more either? So all the old guards kind of uh, uh, withering away, isn't it? Yeah, Bob's got to be. Uh, Bob's got to be the dean now, isn't he? Oh man, he may be. And we haven't won an SEC championship in football since, since he's been the announcer at Tennessee. Well, yeah, come on now, Phil. I, Just like. Eli Gold doesn't get credit for Nick Saban's championships. Kessling doesn't get blamed for the fact that we haven't won anything while he's been here. I mean, come on now. Well, that's just it's, it's reality is reality. I hope Bob gets a a big time championship before he hangs it up. That, that would be nice. Yeah, it would be. It would be nice. Starting this Nico, this year Nico's in the final four. Job, oh, gotta get Nico and. Uh, Score some points and have some good defense, and we'll be all right. Yes, right. yes. Uh, we can. I mean, we can take this team to to the desert for the Final Four this year too, Phil. Let's cut down the nets. Let Bob call that one. Well, I mean, nice. But uh, did y'all watch that uh, Rick Barnes team last night? Looks so lethargic. What was going on there? I just perfect storm, man. Long road trip, probably overlooking a team that is winless. That winless team is at the DGAF point of the season, where it's like we we don't want to. We're we're still playing hard, and we got a top five team. Like why not playing with nothing to lose? And they threw the kitchen sink at us, and it, and it still wasn't enough. On a the rough physical game, and yeah, so. I don't know. Just um, you worried about it, Phil? I, a little bit. I mean, what worries me the most is the no-show of uh, Triple J and Viscovi being five-year mm. players and doing their disappearing act this early in the season. Because you get one bad night and you're out of the tournament once it, we get there. Yep. Yep. Kind of who they Everybody are. Kind of who they are at, at this point, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them play better at home, mm-hmm. but. I, I do think that you can project a little bit here into the tournament and just say, look, we we, we can't depend on those guys. And, and it's going to have to – when we get in the past the first round of the tournament and everything's even, it's going to have to be Connect, Adu, and Ziegler. Those are the guys that are going to have to lead the way. And if we get something from Triple J and Vescovy, then great. That, that That's gravy – but I can't depend on them at this point, yeah. which is frustrating. Well, thank God we got to connect, though. Absolutely. He's a special dude, isn't him. he? Yeah, you take him off this roster, we're probably a borderline, you know, tournament team. Look different. We'd be like Texas A&M's what we'd be like who we play next. We'd look a lot different without Jonas Adu as well. Well, yeah, but – Connect can hit 20 to 30 every night. I mean, Adu has improved, but he can't do that. No, but he, he is key. He's such a key. There's so many blocks last night and just around the rim. They couldn't get a shot off Mm-mm. at it, the rim. They affect shots all night long. 
Just gets. Yeah, he still got Ganey. He's he's great, ain't he? Oh, he only took two shots. I mean, that's what I, I'm looking at is these guys who are streaky. Triple J, Vescovi, Ganey. Ganey. If it ain't fun, don't shoot it. Let other guys, and we'll let Connect take a million shots, and hopefully Ziegler and, and Adu can give us something, and, and maybe somebody comes off the bench to give you something. Like Tobey. But I I applaud Ganey for only taking two shots and last night and well, finding other ways. Well, awful, though. Yeah. But we won. That's the main thing. That's the main thing, Phil. in Alabama tonight? That Florida team's playing good right now. No, they, they've uh, picked it up. That's at Coleman. Yeah, that's the big issue is they're uh, going to have to go on the road. That's one of the hardest places to, you know, there in Auburn. Now, Florida does get them at home near the end of the that's season. That's right. They do play two tight ones here. I'll tell you what, the Florida is playing better since they left here. And uh, Florida's got a lot of big guys that can rebound, which may give Alabama a problem. Alabama's weakness is inside. If you can exploit it, we exploited it. Adult, Adu had probably his best game of the year against them, didn't he? It was good. Yeah, close to that. it. That and they're they're kind of like Kentucky. Some nights they just don't really care about playing defense that much. But the problem is they'll shoot forty oh, yeah. something threes, and if they're you know if they're hot, it doesn't really matter. It's because like they they will not shoot the ball any later than eight seconds right. into a possession. Yeah, well, they like to run and gun down there at Alabama, don't they? Yes, they do. We got to still watch the Big Blue, though. They're kind of uh, – I hate them, but they still got – they got the best pure talent in the SEC. Well, and we need them to take down Alabama this weekend up up there at Rupp. Yep. Yeah, the problem is they're kind of creeping around right there, too, where they – you know, if things fall the right way – that last game of the season, Tennessee and Kentucky, there's a chance that could be for the SEC regular season title. They they didn't drop a couple of those that they may have earlier in the season, and now as they're at least appearing to figure it out, I mean, if they go down the stretch and keep winning, they're going to be right there in the race. So y'all going to have a major announcement tomorrow? What time's that going to be? Right off the top, if the NCAA news doesn't break. But, yeah, major announcement, I think you're going to yeah. dig it, Phil. Really? I think so. So the NCAA is going to announce something tomorrow on, on this Tennessee stuff? No, 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 no. Two two separate things. We got a big programming announcement here at Fan Run tomorrow. Oh, okay. But when is this uh, court case going to come to a head on the NCAA? Anybody know? No. In short whenever, order. <laughs> whenever that <laughs> per judge. Judge Corker. Uh, I feel like the legal experts, analysts out there kind of said that it would be done sometime this week, like by the end of the week. Well, maybe they can get uh, Dimension to do it for him. See you. Who? I have no idea what he just said. Dementia? I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means. Big programming announcement coming up tomorrow on the show. We're very excited about it. 865-546-8200. Your number to get on the show Back with more right after this.
Fan Run Radio, The Drive continues, 105.7 FM, 1340 AM. Streaming online, fanrunradio.com, your free Fan Run app, a variety of ways for you to experience the program. We have a podcast available for you to listen to on demand anytime. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell you, I do like Christian Moore hitting leadoff. Do I get credit for that if that sticks? <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you were the first person I heard say it. He just missed a home run by about 12 feet. That's it's unfortunate. A dead center. That is unfortunate. Hey, we are in the old White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. We are? Yeah. He made that declaration yesterday. Now that he's seen the new ones, he agrees with you. He made that declaration like two weeks ago. Yeah, but I don't pay attention to you half the time. You know that. See, Bear didn't want it. Did not want it to be the old one because we hadn't moved yet, and he was afraid to leave. But now, since he's seen the new one, he enjoys it, so he's fine declaring this one the old White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Yeah, Bear's all in. Swanky. The pristine, palatial, new White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Which we, do have we have a window. We have a window. Yeah, yeah. You've been there. Oh no, I thought you were. Like, I was because oh. I was about to ask <laughs> when you. are we moving in, and I thought you. Oh, were you going, we like, have a move-in yeah, window. Yeah. How many things will go wrong in the switchover? Whoa! What are you doing? Oh, I mean we gotten word from new management he's being... relying on me and him to make sure this is seamless <laughs> okay, well <laughs> that's now wait just a damn minute all right yeah you don't trust me again i ask how many things will go wrong there's going to be a punch list i'm sure right houston i'm sure there's going to be some things out of our control that may cause some hiccups but i don't know i feel like i'm pretty prepared and, for and this. kevin the the engineer i'm just ready to be sitting in there waiting for the light to come on the first show in the new studios oh we forgot the mics okay we're not gonna forget the microphones russell this is a radio show have a little faith might forget your chair what's that (laughs) fine you can stand up and do the show take my radio show and go home matthew is next on the drive good afternoon matthew Hey, fellas. Happy Wednesday. Um, you know, Houston, I thought it was not poetic, but it was interesting how I asked about the importance of our post play. And I think it single-handedly won us the game outside of Dalton Connect's effort last night. Is that fair? Uh, absolutely. I, I said it earlier. I don't know if you caught it. Like, he, he wasn't, you know, blowing the doors down, but I felt like when no one else could score, occasionally Tobey would get a bucket to keep us in that game last night until Connect got hot and then – once Kinect got hot, you saw the ball movement work a little bit better. It seemed like guys got some energy, uh, and Adu and Awaka were big. Um, you know, they they, they took a, a they seized the moment essentially when nothing else was going right. Those two stepped up, especially once Dalton got going. If Tobey gets to that graceful six points, uh, I think you should extend the invitation to him wherever it, wherever it be. If it's Ruth Chris or wherever, you should extend it to. Have Hickman buy me and Tobey dinner? Absolutely. At Roos Chris? Well, I think we're going yield. What oh. What is your bet now? If Tobey Awaka, we did this before the season started. Uh-huh. If Tobey Awaka can average six points or more, I win dinner at yield. If it's under six, I have to buy Hickman's dinner. Where's he at? And Ru- He went from Ru- 4.6 to 5.1 last night. 
Yeah, you're buying it's, him dinner. It's probably Sorry, bro. It's, it's tough. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know that, Russ. That ball ain't round. You want to make a bet? You want to make a bet about their bet? No, because yield yield's kind of it's delicious, but it's oh, you're you're so confident in yourself. Um, kind of turtled up there a little bit, buddy. Yeah, I'm probably not one of that. No, I, I I didn't turtle but up. There's a chance. I just don't want to take just any. Take the bet. I don't want to take any risk uh, of, of losing a bet. That's called turtling, my friend. To you, I, I just I, I am not going to allow that to become a reality because you are. That's called turtling. A sore loser. What you're describing right now is turtling. No, it's one. You're turtle. a horrible. <laughs> you're a horrible winner. You're a terrible loser. Okay, like I, I I'm the guy and who's you, confident you, in you, this position. You, you just you strut around like some kind of bantam rooster all the time. And quite frankly, Russ, you take things too far. You do. I mean, I, I'm just simply offering the bet you have declined. Russell, I'll end it with these two thoughts. If this was a bet that you and Tucker and Bear had made, just based off the earlier segment, it sounds like you would owe him about six glizzies right now if he gets this bet. <laughs> uh, and, and listen, gentlemen, I'll, I'll hang up with this question. You know, we've got – good games coming up but it feels like this late in the year if you'd asked me this question at the beginning of the season i would have expected just expected this i'm not a college basketball analyst i'm just a fan but i would have assumed freddie dillion would have been pushing for more minutes specifically at the point guard position with sakai but it does i will ask you you all this question you know sakai ziegler takes this team as far as it can at that position, he's a very well-established point guard. Do you think, um, when the season runs around next year, do you think we should bring in another point guard to compete with him? Not, I'm not saying you know a Tyrese Hunter, but somebody to help back up that quality, quality backup position. Because I'm not, not, not sold on Freddie Dillion being that 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 guy. But I do ask that question because it feels like there's still a lot of growth for Freddie to make. I'll hang up on that. Thanks, guys. Well, I think you're going to have to have some different options there because you're lo- losing Vescovi. Mm-hmm. And and you will saw, like, he, he had the point a lot when Ziegler picked up his fourth foul. And I love – I'm the president of the Vescovi running the point fan club. I might be the only member as well. But you're going to have to have another option there. Now, you bring in Bishop Boswell. Mm-hmm who's a point guard prospect and hopefully Freddie continues to mature and maybe he can be Vescovi like in the ability to play different positions and handle the ball a little bit and stuff like that. But I'm sure that's something they'll explore after the season. And this is kind of, it's, it's the, you're going to run into the same problem you have in trying to get another quarterback to mm. come to this roster yep. because yep. nobody wants to back up Nico for two years all these guys that are competent prospects want to play and you go into the point guard portal this summer and guys are going to see Zakai Ziegler firmly entrenched as a fourth year senior starter there um, a high four star and Bishop Boswell coming into the program Ganey who can play the point still in the program DeLeon who can play the point so what kind of point guard that we would want is going to want to come into that situation 
is it safe to say there's at least a chance that Freddie may be, be in that point guard portal well, that I mean, you mentioned? That that that's fair. And the other thing you could you can pitch to if you have a more mature prospect that is willing to be patient. If they have multiple years, it's like okay, it's only one. Yeah, you, yeah. You'll play a little bit behind Zakai. Uh, maybe we can, but. After next year, Zakai and Ganey are gone. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, there's no guarantee that Freddie's still going to be here. So, yeah, I mean, you could you could approach it that way. I still think it's going to be hard. It's a tough sell. I do too. And I don't I'm I don't want to sound like I'm the president of the anti-Freddie DeLeon club because I'm I always believe in players developing and kind of hitting their stride. I have not seen it yet from Freddie. Sure. I have not seen the Everyone thought, he's, oh, Freddie Buckets, he's going to score 15 to 20 a night. I haven't seen that ability. I haven't seen the explosion. I haven't seen the speed, the first step, the ball handling. I'm not saying he's not okay or good at all those things. I don't think he's elite at any of them, at least not yet, or at least he hasn't shown it. So I realize we fall in love with players, and for some reason we love the players that we see the least. We love them the most. But at this point, and I hope he gets there, and I'm not saying he can't, I haven't seen it from Freddie where I'm like, oh, this kid is a stud in the making. We also have a weird thing that we do here under Barnes, and I'm not sure if it's this way at other programs or not, but just the way we recruit and develop point guards. Because DeLeon, I seem to remember him being more viewed as a wing, yeah, small two, forward three, yeah. Yeah, type guy, and then Barnes is like, no, we're working him at the point. Triple J came here as a five-star point guard. Yeah. And I'll, he, he didn't play much point. Vescovi came here as a point guard mm-hmm. and almost immediately got moved off the ball. So when I see Bishop Boswell listed at six foot five, I, I kind of wonder he's listed as a point guard, but is that where he's actually going to play? And then we we bring in Ganey, who's a two guard, and, and we got him playing the point. He brought it up a lot last night. We Yeah, we bring in, um, you know, Meshack, who doesn't strike me as a point guard at all, but. There he was playing a lot of point guard last year. He, I didn't think he was a bad option, especially once Zakai went down. But I, I thought he handled it pretty well for the most part. I mean, it just seemed uh, Zakigler, as Jimmy Dykes referred to him, and Kennedy Chandler are, are really like the the only guys in recent memory. Bone, you know, that we recruited as point guards. The true and by point, God, that's yeah. what they play. Right. Were you surprised Meshack only got 11 minutes last night? That's that's becoming a trend. I don't know. But does anybody know what's – I feel like that's been his average pretty much all season long. He's had a couple of games where he probably got up near 20, but he's also had a couple of four- or five-minute games. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder if we get in a game where, like, for instance, Alabama with Sears. Yeah. If we'll – Use him as the lockdown specialist kind of thing. Uh, yeah. It just felt like early on when that game was a slop fest – those are kind of moments when Meshack shines because he just out hustles everybody. Yeah, putbacks, uh, loose balls. He's really good at kind of knifing his way through He's bodies to get to the rim. Quick. I, I was surprised he didn't play a little bit more last night, but the defense wasn't really the problem. We just weren't hitting shots, and the offense wasn't flowing well early. We turned it over fifteen times last night. I think our average on the season is seven. We also, I believe, as a team, I wrote this down. Hmm. I think ten assists. We had 28 assists on 33 makes against Arkansas. Like, the offense just was not flowing. We couldn't hold on to the ball. We were throwing it out of bounds. When we try to 
catch it, it just bounce off our hands and go out of bounds. It yeah, was, we weren't on the same. It page. was not crisp. Yeah, you're throwing to a spot as the guy's cutting. It just it felt like the offense was just a little bit off early, really for the, really the first half. So I don't know if that's like Russell said, maybe you're overlooking Missouri a little bit, not as focused, not as dialed in until. Well, it's you, also I mean it's you know it's a long trip up there and, and you're on the not, road. They're not and, a good team. Yeah, they I mean, do. They were playing like super physical. Yeah, it was funny to watch Gates whine at the officials. It's like, you can't tackle us and then not call the foul. I know you're mad at the discrepancy, but like there you were was, one of the was, more physical teams. When I was watching this morning, there was one they called. I can't remember who they called it on. I think it may have been – it was either Walker. It was one of our big. It was either Walker or Adu. And they showed it on slow when I just happened to be watching it closely this morning. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. How about the absolutely guy stepping across it. the line on the inbounds oh, yeah. pass right in front that of the too. official on yeah. our bench and not calling it? And they got steps all night. And and our our oh the uh, Polinsky Polinsky went crazy. No, we we scored a bucket, and then the guy grabs it to inbounds it, get, starts to pass, stops because Vescovi's standing right in front of him, steps on the baseline. <laughs> Vescovi points at it. Polinsky jumps off the jumps in the air. Was like he's like a sixty-five-year-old man. Shows like a forty-inch vertical. <laughs> he's our, out of our, bounds, ref. our entire bench is like, you have to call that. And the ref, as he's 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 looking right at it. I don't know how he doesn't see it. As he's coming up the floor, he says something to our bench. Basically, sit down and STFU. And it's like, dude, do your job. Oh, I was mad at the refs guy last night. Yeah. You know, I felt like one of those timeouts Dennis Gates used in the second half, it was one of those Butch Jones things where you just call it to yell at the refs. He, he well, tried to do it again, and they didn't yeah. give it there to him. There was a one play um, where I can't remember who it was from Missouri. He ended up with the ball, and they slid like eight feet along yep. the floor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it was the same guy that did the inbounds. And then he, then he reached – I think it was Ziegler or He reached down, and they called a tie-up, but the possession was with Missouri. I'm like – Dude, you can't hold the ball and slide across. Slid eight feet. That's traveling. Well, we got Connect getting drilled at the bucket a couple of times. Can't buy a call. That's what happened there. right before then, uh, the I think, outburst. I think you tweeted about the, the uh, yeah. Adu gets the jump ball, and then we call a foul on him. That was right after Connect should have had an and one yeah. on the other oh. end. They call the jump, or they call the foul on Adu, which easily should have been a jump. And then on that, we were talking about the pass that Connect made to Tobey, brilliant pass. Absolutely nasty. That was an M1 opportunity, too. They got nothing but wrist on Tobey, and the ball just happened to spin in. But but right before the big, connect, the big Connect outburst, I remember he looked at the ref. It was one of those plays where he got hammered. He looked directly at the ref and held up his hands. And I don't know what the ref said back to him, but after that he just started burying shots. I guess he got mad. I like mad Connect. I'll take it. 865-546-8200 if you want to load it up, get ready for hour number three on the show. We'll come to your phone calls after the top five at five. Jeff wants to know if the big announcement is the start of the Tucker Harlan show from noon to three. Damn it, Bethany, he guessed it. Oh, Bethany. Took the wind out of our sails. You'll just have to suffer, uh, suffer, uh, settle, Jeff, for a solid top five at five. That's all the Tucker you're getting for now. Baby steps. He does have a bright future, the young man does. 
Hour number three of The Drive coming up next on many of these fine fan-run affiliates. Stay with us. The Drive continues after this.